Hey, SCF Student Ministries, Devin here, bringing you our new series that's titled Waitlisted. Uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about waiting um, and how that affects our lives and our relationship with Jesus and with others. Um, it's kind of a tough subject, right? Our society is pretty um, impatient, I guess, would be the word that we want things now, uh, whether it's shipping and how that's changed and how we can get things Basically, things that we used to have to wait weeks or months for, we can get the next day um, and deliver to our door. We don't even have to drive to go get these things, right? Um, I know for me, uh, something that I hate waiting for is actually like if you're at like an amusement park and you're waiting for a ride, like a five-minute ride, and you have to wait an hour for it. I can't stand doing that. Um, and there might be other things. Maybe you hate waiting to for like concert tickets or uh, waiting in line for your coffee order or waiting for Christmas morning, or uh, to go on a vacation, whatever it is, these things that we enjoy doing, we hate waiting for those, right? When we enjoy something, it can feel like an eternity when we have to wait for it. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about something you may or may not have heard of this, but it's called the Stanford uh, Marshmallow Experiment, and it's an experiment from the 70s that studied delayed gratification. So here's how it worked. A kid was given a marshmallow, uh, they were told they could eat the marshmallow, but if they waited and didn't eat the marshmallow immediately, they could have two marshmallows later. So the kids in the experiment were then tracked over the course of years to see what kinds of decisions they made as they got older. The goal was to see if kids who waited for the second marshmallow had better lives and made better decisions than the kids who couldn't wait. And the experiment ended up having mixed results and its conclusions are pretty hotly debated even to this day. Um, but it's so well known that it's often remixed and parodied, right? Uh, I think it's been, it was actually popped up as a trend recently. I think there was a lot of TikTok videos that got made that were the same kind of idea showing if kids had the restraint to wait for something, right? Um, so, I mean, think back to you. When you were a kid, could you have waited for the second marshmallow? Um, I mean, in, and if marshmallows aren't your thing, which, which snack would have made it uh, really difficult for you to wait, right? There's probably something, right? Um, so I told you the conclusions of the ex experiment. They were controversial. So the reason that was is because the designers of the original study thought they had things figured out. When a kid waited for a second marshmallow, they believed it was because that kid had great self-control and would grow up to make better decisions and have a more successful life. But in later versions of the experiment, when they redid it, something important was discovered. Many kids in the study ate the first marshmallow. Not because they were impatient, but because they didn't believe the strange adult in the room would follow through on their promise to give them a second marshmallow later. So for many kids in this study, their decision not to wait for the second marshmallow wasn't based on a lack of self-control, but it was based on a lack of trust of the adult in the room. So has anyone ever made you a promise that you then had to wait for? Maybe they promised to give you something or do something for you or help you with something or simply show up and spend time with you. At first, the waiting is kind of fun, right? While you wait, the anticipation builds because when the waiting is finally over, you know you're going to get the thing you've been waiting for. But what happens when that promise gets delayed and delayed again and again and again? Soon you start to wonder if it's ever even going to happen at all or if you should just give up hope of that thing happening. And it's a feeling a lot of us can identify with. And for some of us, it's because we've been waiting on God to act, right? In our lives and our faith, there are a lot of things we wish we would happen instantly. There are some promises we want to be fulfilled right away, um, but instead we have to wait for it. 
Uh, Waiting on a promise places us somewhere between now and not yet. While we wait, a lot can happen. We might get frustrated or ask questions or wonder if the person who made the promise can really be trusted. We may even be tempted to give up hope. I mean, I know I had a, a, a period of time in my life where I had to wait on what it felt like was an eternity. Um, I had a, a pretty bad injured knee uh, most of high school, and it was mis- mostly caused by like overuse and uh, some like technique issues with how I jumped. But it basically it caused my uh, patella tendon to deteriorate, and it's known as jumper's knee because a lot of people that are jumpers uh, had it and over the course of playing basketball my whole life and high jumping and long jump and all that kind of stuff, um, my knee was starting to deteriorate. Essentially it wasn't fixing itself. So every time I was jumping, I was just making it worse and worse and worse. Um, and my doctor told me they couldn't really do anything. He just told me to take Advil. Um, and so I, every time we had, uh, at youth group or at youth events, um, whenever we had a time of prayer, I always would go up and try and get my knee prayed for. And it was just a long time. It felt like I was waiting on God. People would say like, God wants to heal this and it just wasn't happening. Right. Um, and so it it was pretty frustrating to wait that out. People saying, yeah, your knee's going to get healed. It's going to get healed. God heals people. And it wasn't happening to me. It'd been years of asking and it just wasn't happening. Um, when we're waiting on God to fulfill a promise, we might, we might wonder if we can even really trust God or if he even cares or does he even see me? Um, if God really loves me, why do I have to wait so long to see that love? Uh, if you feel like you're waiting on God right now, the good news is that you're not alone. The Bible is filled with stories of people who had to wait on God for a long time. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to explore four different stories from scripture about people who had to wait on God. And if you didn't grow up going to church, these stories and characters might be brand new to you, but don't worry, we'll catch you up. If you grew up going to church, you may have heard these stories as a kid, but that doesn't mean you really know the stories, right? We often tell simplified versions of these stories to kids, but as we get older, we need to revisit these stories. The older you get, the easier It is to see these stories are more interesting and complex and full of tension than we may have realized when we were little, and you may have just seen it as like a felt drawing on a a storyboard, right? Uh, Before we check out our first story of the series, let's take a few minutes to uh, learn about uh, why the Bible includes these kinds of stories. Um, And that's because uh, you can, if you want to look at this online, it's a good place. It's called The Bible Project. Um, You can look up some of their videos, and they're really good. Um... Most biblical stories highlight the moments when characters fail and come to the end of themselves. Today, we'll see how an important biblical figure named Abram waited on God, then gave up waiting on God, and eventually learned something vital about God's character. So Abram, later named Abraham, which is probably what you know him as, is known as the father of Judaism and Christianity. He's the guy God worked with thousands of years ago in order to set a huge plan and promise in motion. And if you're going to follow along in your Bible, we're actually going to be in Genesis uh, chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. It says, The call of Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, Abram was an ordinary guy, 
but this wasn't in, you can tell by reading it, this isn't an ordinary promise, right? This is a big promise for Abram. And in those times, having children was seen as a sign of God's blessing. So when God promised Abram a son, it was one of the greatest promises that Abram could have received. This was also a big promise for the world. God promised to make Abram's descendants God's special chosen people and the people through whom God would work and be revealed in the world. But there was a problem. Abram didn't have any descendants. His wife, Sarah, was unable to have any children, and they were already both uh, old and probably past that point of having kids, right? Abram and Sarah obeyed God by packing up their lives and hitting the road. But that promise about babies, that was hard for them to trust or understand. Uh, Now we're going to be moving over. We're in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So Abram was stuck waiting to receive what God had promised, and he didn't have a timeline or a plan. Just a promise. He was officially waitlisted by God right here, right? So I'm going to ask you, just think about this in your own head. Um, So... These are some things that uh, Abram and Sarah might have been asking themselves, right? And and I want to know, and I want you to think to yourself, which ones do you identify with if you were in their position, right? So they might have been asking, what's taking so long? Did I hear God correctly? Is there something else I need to do? Or does God need my help to make this happen? I mean, we can identify with pieces of each of those and something else might stand out to you directly, like the question you would have been asking, right? After 10 years of waiting for a promise from God, they were still learning to trust. And I'm sure Abram and Sarah felt discouraged and impatient. Discouragement can lead to doubt, and doubt can make us do questionable things sometimes, like take matters into our own hands. So now we're going to be one chapter over, Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. This says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarah's wife took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So, remember how we said the Bible tells us about people who failed in big ways, and they shouldn't necessarily imitate the actions of big old figures. Well, this is definitely one of those times. I mean, we're talking about disobedience, total lack of trust. They talk about both of them are mistreating Hagar, and 
the whole sleeping with an enslaved woman in order to have a baby thing instead of believing God's promise, right? These stories are a lot more complicated than you probably remember if you heard these as a kid. Um, but you know what? I get it. I don't know what Sarah was trying to disobey God. She probably had good intentions uh, to follow through with this. She likely thought, well, I'm told too old to have a baby. It doesn't make sense for God to use me. So maybe God's waiting on me to come up with another plan. Sarah may have thought, uh, she was just helping God out, but when her plan came to fruition, it didn't only end in a baby, it ended in jealousy. When Hagar become, became pregnant with a son named Ishmael, Sarah struggled with jealousy, and that jealousy led her to her cruelty toward Hagar. Ultimately, Sarah's plan backfired. God had promised her tons of uh, descendants, but she didn't trust God would come through on that promise. So after 25 years of waiting for God's plan to come to pass, Sarah gave birth to Isaac, their promised son. But here's what's really amazing. God didn't only fulfill the promise made to Abram and Sarah, God even showed them grace by blessing the son Abram had fathered in disobedience. So uh, I'm going to read this. It's a little bit longer, but in Genesis chapter 17, uh, verses 1 through 21, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. You will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant and I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. So, after reading all this, God could have punished or even abandoned Abram and Sarah. 
or Abraham and Sarah, but instead God covered them in grace. It's kind of like they ate that first marshmallow, but God gave them two more anyway, even though they didn't wait. God doesn't spell out every detail for us in this story, and it leaves room for us to ask questions and wonder. So I wonder, like those kids in the marshmallow experiment, did God understand that Abram and Sarah's disobedience wasn't because of a lack of self-control? Did God see it was because they weren't sure if God could be trusted? And is that why God chose to show them grace instead of judgment? Because that's what they really needed. It wasn't punishment, but assurance that God could be trusted. And after 25 years of waiting for God's plan to come to pass, Sarah gave birth to Isaac, their promised son. But here's what's really amazing. God didn't only fulfill the promise made to Abraham and Sarah. God even showed them grace by blessing the son Abraham had fathered in disobedience. So God could have punished or abandoned Abraham and Sarah. Um, but he he didn't. He gave them those two marshmallows anyway, right? Um, so... I don't know what promises you're waiting on God to fulfill right now or which promises you'll need to wait for in the future, but here's what I do know. God can be trusted. Uh, we're going to read really quickly. Just over, We're going to flip over to Proverbs. Um, and we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. If I can find it. Here we go. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So like Abraham and Sarah who waited for years for God to give them a child, here's the message you and I often need to hear. God has a plan, but we might have to wait for it. When God makes a promise, the plan God has in mind is better than anything you or I could imagine. But sometimes it's difficult to see where things are headed while we wait for that plan to be completed. We might think we know what's best or what's next, but we often have no idea. Um, we have to wait to see what God has in mind, right? Um, so, I mean, ask yourself, what are you waiting for? Maybe you're waiting for something to change in your life, something to change in your heart a new opportunity, a prayer to be answered, a problem to be solved. Waiting is often difficult, and it usually goes on for much longer than we'd prefer. But here's what we can learn from the story of Abraham and Sarah. While we're waiting, God can still be trusted. We don't have to figure everything out. God knows the future better than we do, and God's plans are better than anything we can imagine. Even when we get tired of waiting, God never gets tired of being gracious and compassionate towards us. No matter what you're waiting for, I hope this is uh, this is all helpful and is a reminder that while you wait, God can be trusted. The same God who is so patient, gracious, and trustworthy to Abraham and Sarah is patient, gracious, and trustworthy to you and me. We won't always know why God wants us to wait or how long we'll need to continue waiting, but we know God has a plan even if we have to wait for it. Thanks, guys. I'm excited to see you. Uh, you'll you'll see in the email that I sent this for this month that we are planning another Among Us night. So if you're ready for that, um, you can find the details of that on the calendar at scf.tv. Um, if you have questions about that or about our teaching, whatever it might be, uh, don't be afraid. 
to ask me a youth group or send me a message uh, on something. Um, yeah, I'm always available for that kind of stuff. All right, thanks for listening. See you next time.